today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA. We have IndyCar's newest first-time podium visitor. If we're just simply talking about, wow, what a really impressive run at the Harvest Grand Prix, something, frankly, Renus, we expected. Uh, we weren't surprised. We knew that you were destined for podiums and we know that wins are in your future how you doing what are you doing tell us what you're doing before we get going um well i'm doing good thank you um i'm now at the simulator in charlotte uh yeah getting ready for st petersburg so uh making a lot of laps here um and yeah working on the setup and make sure we use that one practice session we have uh to the fullest well can't wait to see how you round out your rookie season. And unless something truly bizarre happens, uh, we can definitely start getting the uh, champagne and party preparations done for a, a rookie of the year title that, uh, yeah, can't wait to see all that play out for you here. As usual, Renus, we have great questions for you on the show. Got a couple that are from a variety of folks, probably pivoting off of a pretty busy week right uh going back to thursday last week talking about driver changes some not coming back to a team this week we've learned about driver leaving from one team going to another and vacancies and all kinds of silly season stuff had a number of folks ask in a variety of ways very politely how are things looking for you coming back next year in indycar not asking you to break any news that you shouldn't, but hopefully things are going in a positive direction. Um, yes, everything is looking positive right now. Um, I, yeah, I'm definitely working hard on everything, but we haven't signed anything, anything yet. So I think we will know more in a few weeks time. Well, but, uh, yeah, I'm confident for next year. We need you back because I need to see you with a year of experience under your belt to come back and put all that knowledge and potential to work in year two and I'm, I'm sure i'm one of thousands upon thousands who uh believe the same let's roll into let's see some of the straightforward questions to uh get rolling chris doherty says renus it's been really cool watching you come up through the road to indie program you're very fast very successful at every level polls and wins says has it opened up your eyes at all jumping up to IndyCar uh, with how fast you've been and now on the podium as well, 240 miles an hour into turn one at Indianapolis. Are you crazy? He says, all kidding aside, what's the one thing that surprised you the most or maybe didn't expect moving up to IndyCar uh, in this rookie year? Um, well, yeah, the, my whole American career has been, has been quite a, quite a fast road to be honest. Um, it's nice also like I started USF 2000 with Oliver and uh, right now uh, yeah we're raising each other in IndyCar so that's pretty cool and we uh, we made the same steps in our career and um, yeah it's been very successful all those years but uh, yeah now coming to IndyCar what surprised me the most was um, yeah just all the new things you learn when you go to that IndyCar uh, of course you know it's going to be quicker it's going to be pit stops and all that stuff but there's so much so much more looking around the corner what you have to learn so 
um, like every lap I do still um, is a learning curve for me. And I think I get better every lap I drive. So um, it's been a good year, but I think, uh, yeah, with the experience I have next year, um, yeah, I think next year will be maybe even better. Well, considering the fact that you are holding 14th in the championship right now, ahead of Marcus Erickson, Connor Daly, and others. And really, if we're just looking at how many points you have and what's possible, how far you might be able to climb if things go very well for you at St. Pete, you could be you know, staring at being really close to the top 10. Jack Harvey, Santino Ferrucci, Ryan hunter Ray. I mean, that you know, Hunter Ray's in 11th in the standings, and he's only 11 points ahead of you right now. So just saying... Uh, work isn't done and what you're learning every lap, it's really starting to show interesting follow-up question here, Renus. This is from our pal, Jameen Tuttle, who says, congratulations on the unofficial at this point, rookie of the year title. He says, I know you've raced in numerous junior formulas and you've had a lot of success there. He's curious about the mental aspect though, of moving to IndyCar, curious about what it's been like this year, going from routinely winning podiums, you name it. And then stepping into IndyCar where a lot to learn and heck, a top 10 might feel like a really successful weekend. Has that been a tough mental transition knowing that the podiums you've been used to for years not coming as frequently as you'd like? Um, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, it's a good point because, um, well, you just, you, you can almost not be as successful unless you're Scott Dixon in IndyCar as you're, uh, as you're in the road to Indy with podiums and wins. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's something I, I thought about before I started the season. And actually, um, I started not looking at that at one point in the season and I just focused on my own, like my own driving on my own, uh, results, how I was doing, how I was learning. And of course, there were some possibilities this season where I could have had podiums, and it felt great to finally be in the podium uh, on the Harvest GP. Um, but yeah, it's been only it's only been twelve races, I think, until the first podium. So it feels like ages, but it's uh, it's great to finally be up there, and it maybe feels even better than uh, just another podium in uh, in the Open Wheel Junior Series. So I know you haven't had a chance since the Harvest Grand Prix to fly back home and get off the plane and be welcomed like a national hero with your first podium. But what kind of feedback have you gotten from friends, family, journalists, and you name it about uh, how this podium performance on the Indy Road Course was received at home in the Netherlands? Um, well, I heard um, by a lot of friends, like the news is really picking it up and because um, because of Max Verstappen, uh, the the Netherlands is really yeah really focused on racing, and uh, they love following other drivers. And nobody really knew about me and IndyCar until now. So it really uh, got a big blast in the Netherlands with uh, me being asked by really famous people in the Netherlands to be on their podcasts and stuff. So it's been um, it's been very cool and. Very cool to see, but still, uh, it doesn't really feel real because I've not been home yet. So I think after the season coming home, um, it will be nice to see 
how everything changed and how it is. I love it. You're going to be drunk for like three months, but you know. Um, oh, no, I, I don't drink. Well, I mean, come on. we got to break some tradition. You, how are you going to be an IndyCar driver if you aren't, you know, constantly drinking and acting a fool off track? we got to get that part of your game up. Kidding aside, I rarely oh. ever drink myself. But uh, yeah, let you and, <laughs> you and Robin, would you be surprised to learn Robin Miller doesn't drink? You'd think as crazy as he is. The guy would be halfway into a bottle every night, but he isn't. Um, let's see. A couple questions here. I know you've answered similar ones on the show before, but I always realize that we've got new listeners or maybe folks who are uh, become new fans of yours. Bill Gray asks, uh, what made you decide to follow the American Open Wheel ladder instead of staying in Europe? Uh, Andrew C. asks, what's the biggest difference in terms of racing styles between the U.S. and Europe and such? Uh, Steve Grinstead, uh, curious about uh, any pleasant surprises uh, from being here in America for the full season this year in IndyCar and whatnot. So a lot of folks want to know about you and this uh, wacky American transition. Yeah, so first of all, um, well, I was doing a go-kart championship in, um, in the U.S. It was called the U.S. Open. Um, I was racing against Oliver back then even, and... Yeah, then I got um, I got a I won a, a USF 2000 test session, and well, that went really well. And I saw the road to Indy, and I saw that it was very unique with uh, with the scholarship program they had. So, eventually, in 2017, uh, we decided to uh, to start my racing career in the United States, and yeah, uh, it started off really well with. Uh, me being vice champion in the first year and uh, becoming the Indy Pro 2000 champion uh, the year after, and now I'm an IndyCar four years after, uh, three years after that. So it's uh, it's been a crazy road, but it's it's very nice, and I think it was the best decision I could ever make to um, to move to the United States. And yeah, now being in the U.S. for a full season, normally I fly back a few times, but now with COVID. That's not really as easy. So um, I got an apartment in Indianapolis. And yeah, I live together with my personal trainer, Ron. And we do a lot of training, but also, yeah, you, you get more of a connection with other drivers. Uh, like we will uh, invite each other for a group, uh, a group ride on the road and uh, kind of try to beat each other uh, while we're on the bicycle in some way, but, uh, in a fun way. So it's, <laughs> it's nice to, uh, yeah, to get some, you know, some interaction off track with those guys. And, um, yeah, it's more like a group of friends that are racing each other super hard instead of just all rivals that hate each other. I like the sound of that. What about the, uh, any differences you can share in what you've observed in either racing style or attitudes between, uh, what you did before and, now that you're here in uh, good old America? Um, well, I actually really started my car racing career um, in the U.S., but I've been back to uh, to the Asian Formula 3 championship um, in winter of 2018, start of 2019, and, well, I've raced some of the big guys in Europe, and, um, yeah, you can see a lot of difference uh in driving style um basically the europeans are 
pretty aggressive while driving. Um, and I think the Americans, like the American driving style is more, it's a little more thinking uh, and more thinking about a championship instead of uh, just thinking about that one race win. Gotcha. What do we go to? Where do we go next? Uh, well, Mitsuki Matsura uh, and Eric Harkrader, two dear listeners. I don't know if you realize how much folks loved your Indy 500 intro with you walking up on stage, <laughs> right? we got a couple questions. Uh, Mitsuki says, hello, Renus. When did you come up with the uh, the pose, your spin move uh, for the, uh, the driver intros at the 500? And what's your motto? And then Eric asks, where did you learn that spin move? Uh, so, you know, we got folks who are wanting to know when and where, man. You got to spill the beans. So I've actually been doing it all my career. Um, it's it's something funny I always did with my family. Um, like, <laughs> I would always say in the middle of an airport, busy with people, like 360 to the left or I don't win next race. <laughs> and just everyone, like we would do that and everyone would be looking at us. So I made my parents look funny. But now with my first real driver intro, they said to me, well, you've made, you've made us look like idiots. Now you do it. Uh. So um, <laughs> I made it a little cooler with the, the finger flick. See? But it's, uh, yeah, I think it's getting a trademark now. Look, uh, you're going to have folks disappointed. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of fans ask for to, for you to pose for selfies with them. I think it might be more little short Instagram videos of you and fans doing your, uh, spin move and a uh, little finger move going forward. So maybe that's your signature. I love that. Um, well, yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's funny and, uh, yeah, I would feel good doing it the rest of my career. Look at that. And your first <laughs> win. I don't Have you figured out, do you? step back to the rear wing of the car and do it. I mean, if it's an Indy 500 win speedway rear wing, it might break, but I'm thinking, you know, rotor street course, it should be strong enough. I think we need to see that spin move and the little finger gun thing on the rear wing in the first <laughs> win. Can we get you to commit to that? Um, well, I will see how Ed thinks about the rear wing thing, <laughs> but I will uh, definitely think about doing the, the spin and the flick. But yeah, I was thinking about it when I had the the podium, uh, walking onto the podium um, in the Harvard CP. But I was actually so overwhelmed by everything that I totally forgot. So it I happens. Know, I know Ed's going to send me the bill for the rear wing if there's any damage there. So uh, I think we're safe. <laughs> we can we can lock that one in. Here's a really good question from Perry Fag. He says, "Renus, what takeaways did you have?" From your Texas weekend, the opening race of the uh, of the year, it says what takeaways did you have, if any, that helped you the most in stepping up in your performance or consistency afterwards? It's a good one, right? Because that was kind of a kick to the the nuts in terms of an IndyCar debut, but you did seem to really learn from it. What did you learn? How did you apply those lessons? Um. Yes, it was definitely a big step back, uh, big mistakes also that weekend. Um, yeah, uh, first race in IndyCar, pressure was very high for me. Um, just because of myself, I just put my own pressure super high. And um, I think I just got my first taste of marbles, 
which was not pleasant. Um, but yeah, those are like all mistakes, which um, like going under the line is something you really can't do with, with the IndyCar, with that speed, with those wings. And well, it's an expensive lesson, but I, I've learned it the hard way. Uh, same with the marbles. And I think throughout the season, I just took a step back because, you know, in the road to Indy, you can give it everything. And, you know, there's in Indy lives, there weren't as many cars, so you cannot lose as much when you make a mistake. Sure. And in IndyCar, there's just 25 guys passing you. So um, I just learned about it, take it more easy and be a little conservative with when I make a move and which move I'm going to make. And I definitely learned a lot from that. I think that was maybe the biggest lesson all year. Well, you've been uh, putting it to good use since then. Going to fire through uh, a bunch of other shorter questions here. No, you got to get back to work here shortly on the sim. Uh, why don't we start with our pal Peter Nutt from your lovely home country. He says, Renus, have you ever driven your dad's Benetton F1 car? And uh, if so, how would you compare it to this generation of Indy cars? Uh, so yeah, Benetton F1. I granted, there's most things in the world I don't know about, but I didn't know that there was a Benetton in the garage at home. Um, well, my dad he raced in the Boss GP series. Yep. Um, well, he stopped because he was more stressed about me than himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he did. He did race that car. I did not, but. Um, he sold that car to um, Fritz van Eert, who is the owner of Jumbo. Yeah. And um, he has a huge old F1 car collection. And that Benetton is now part of that. Um, but yeah, I've raced against my dad. Uh, I was in a old GP2 car from 2008. And my dad was in that Benetton. And we actually... He was ahead coming into turn one, which was uh, mentally very, very hard for me. Um, I got four big flat spots in turn one, being a 16-year-old in a GP2 car. But uh, no, I've raced against him. He was very fast, also the car. But uh, no, it was uh, it was very fun. But I think for me now, it's hard to compare that car to the Indy car. Well, you need to reach out to uh, Fritz and say, hey, uh, if you need someone to help with any setup work or whatever else, just let you know. I'm here. So um, let's go to uh, Danny Vandaloo, who says, Renus, uh, curious why you changed to a vegan diet this year? Um, well, funny story. Um, well, like I wanted to, to step into this season uh, with a different mindset. And um, I saw uh, a Netflix documentary, which really made me, change my way of thinking so i went all vegan um at one point and then at one point i kind of brought fish into the diet which you know it was still still pretty good i i felt good with uh, being vegan but then i went to yellowstone with my trainer and there were nice buffalo steaks there <laughs> i've had a taste of them and actually I'm back to eating meat again. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Very awkward question. But no, I'm back to eating meat. Um, Definitely not as much as then I was used to. Um, I enjoy fish more than meat. But 
yeah, it's just well traveling. You know, you're traveling the whole the whole country, and it's very hard to get your nutrients in when you're in the restaurant. And you know, there's not everything you want. Uh, there's not many choices uh, on the menu. So this was just the easiest way to go to for me. Got you back uh, to meet. Now we're gonna add alcohol, and your uh, your. <laughs> 2020 COVID destruction will be complete. Oh man. Uh, your trainer <laughs> is going to be trying to kill some of us, but, uh, you know, my wife is also, uh, a similar diet where, uh, she will consume fish. She will consume poultry, but that's about it. So she's been, uh, but no dairy, no, a lot of things, but those are, uh, health-based dietary restrictions. Um, but yeah, uh, the similar, almost vegan Pruitt household, um, I don't know if I've slimmed down much, but at least I've been eating far more healthy uh, during the pandemic. Let's see, where do we go next? Well, Mike Jablo asks if Ed Carpenter has ever taken you to a Mug and Bun or Charlie Brown's uh, in Indy or Speedway and just really tried to ruin your diet. No, he has not, actually. So he likes um, you. All right, well, that's a good sign because if he didn't, <laughs> Robin Miller would take you to both uh, and, and you would look like me when you got done. So. <laughs> Oh, that's a compliment, right? It is. It's a, see, Ed really <laughs> likes you, man. He wants you there for the long term. Uh, let's see. Where should we go? Stephen Kills Donk. This is a good one. So obviously, Renus, we had a full 17-race calendar set before COVID. It's been adjusted about 900 times uh, since March. Stephen's curious, are there any tracks that were on the uh, 2020 calendar that got taken off? that you're really looking forward to getting back to and racing on for the first time next year, at least an IndyCar. And heck, we also have oh. a new race coming too at Nashville, but curious any that you missed that you're, you're can't wait to get to next year. Yes. Um, really, uh, Long Beach is something I really looked forward to. Um, you know, Long Beach street course, LA, all the cool stuff. Um, that's something I really wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I've never driven there in lights, and yeah, that was really on my on my list uh, to a track that I really wanted to try out. Um, yeah, and then just basically every street course I think is going to be awesome with an Indy car. So I'm looking forward to next year with a lot of street courses, and um, yeah, I think that will be pretty fun. Our pal Ryan Terpstra, who is from Holland, Michigan. Uh, as he mentions, Indiana's neighbor to the north. He asks, do you think the iRacing uh, challenge that IndyCar had during the uh, the break and also just general iRacing you might do, do you think that benefited you in any way during the actual racing season? Um, yes, I think it did. Um, of course, I was new to IndyCar and new to the team. And I kind of got to work with the guys um, before the real stuff happened. So um, there were some issues like with understanding each other and the way of talking. So I kind of went over it through there. And then, well, um, when you don't have to to run like three sessions, when you only have one session in a weekend, it's pretty nice to already, you know, know each other pretty well and, and um, know each other's way of thinking. Well... Those are all pretty awesome answers. Let's go to a couple more, and then we will say farewell. 
Uh, where shall we go? Here's an interesting one. This comes from Danny Nohop says, what do you do off track to clear your head and put yourself in a good place? It's a, it's an interesting one, right? Every driver has their own ritual or practice of shutting out distractions and focusing when they climb into the car. Do you have one thing in particular that you do to get yourself ready to go drive? Um, well, you know, outside of racing, especially with, uh, with the whole Indy qualifying Indy 500 stuff, a lot of days of driving, a lot of stress. And, um, at one point I was just not myself. Um, then I just, uh, I started to, um, yeah, to go on a ride with like on a bike ride with my trainer. And we would do that after every day of driving, but just like an easy little ride. And then I told him, Ron, I just want to go flat out and suffer. And I did that. And that really helped me clear my mind. And yeah, just uh, kind of calm down. So I think suffering is my way of calming down. (laughs) Punishing yourself uh, brings you to a happy place. Uh, we're going to leave yeah, that all alone way, there. You just, you just focus on, on, you know, on your own little burn session. Yeah. And you forget about all that stuff that circles around your head. I know of which you speak. That's uh, that's a really interesting uh, and invaluable approach, provided it's not too much pain. I mean, you don't want to, you know. I'm going to end up in the hospital there. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Um, One or two more. This one is from Paul Page. Legend, truly legendary IndyCar and Indy 500 announcer, broadcaster, radio host, longtime TV host of the Indy 500. He says, ask Renus about his girlfriend. She is my hero. (laughs) Yes, she is quite the personality. Yeah, she um, she's uh, she's a boxer uh, trying to be professional and try to go to the Olympics. So um, she's hard on her way. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know we're both working our asses off to be the best in our sports. So uh, it's pretty cool to have someone like that motivating me when I'm not driving. So has it been a while? Uh, have you? I, I admittedly am not aware of her travel. Is have you seen her in a while? Or knowing that you've had to stay here with all the travel and COVID stuff, um, what has that situation been like for you? Yeah, I've been in the U.S. for a long time. Um, there was one point where uh, we had a little break um, in the season, and I went to Aruba. She went to Aruba, and we met each other there. So um, we spent a week there on a little holiday. But for the rest, no, we've not seen each other for about three months now. So it would be nice to get to the Netherlands and uh, see her again. (laughs) That's my engineer, Matt, telling me that this is a racing podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, say hi to Matt, who's all kinds of awesome. And yeah, but, you know, the stupid podcast of mine, you know, folks want to get to know you and the real stuff. And the fact that your girlfriend can whoop your ass in theory, you might beat her in a cycling race, but, uh, man, uh, look, I'm, as folks know, I'm married to a Marine. She has been trained by our yeah. government. Well, she wants to, to be a kill. Marine too. That's oh, the see, 
I, I like where you're yeah. heading. My wife, I know, so, can kill me at any time because she has been trained to do that. Uh, I'm just saying, I like the fact of your girlfriend being able to keep you in line. Not like you need to. You're a good kid, but um, I like where this is going. Uh, all yes. right. Uh, one or two more to go. We got someone asking, uh, Wraith Mo, Wraith Mano Racer, wondering if you could beat your dad in a classic Formula Ford race. Um Let's see. Why don't we go with this one, which is a little bit for me, but also maybe you can share some uh, some thoughts. We'll close on this. Uh, Henry Lear, liar. I apologize if I'm not getting your last name pronunciation correct. Says I have a question for you, Marshall. How do you Americans? What do you think about Renus? He says we petrol heads in the Netherlands are over the moon about him. But what about you guys? Can he be one of the greatest? Can't say greatest because we don't even have one full year of work in yet, uh, Henry. But I would say I've been raving about Renus for a couple years now. Before he got to IndyCar, we saw what he did last year in Indy Lights. No disrespect to Oliver Askew or the Andretti team. But I think we can say without stating anything negative that Renus did not always have a car that had the same speed potential as Oliver's. So there was a little bit of a handicap at times in terms of call it competitive balance. And yet he raced his balls off, won a lot of races and kept Askew honest in a car that had won the uh, Indy lights championship the year before. So based on what he was able to do without having the best equipment or an advantage in Indy Lights, for sure, and even Pro Mazda and all that stuff beforehand. But regardless, last year, I think, told a lot of folks a lot of things about you, Renus, that even if you don't have a car that is the best, your talent and willpower makes you go forward, and that's really unique because we don't see that in every driver. So to answer uh, Henry's question, I think any American IndyCar fan that is paying attention loves what they have seen with Renus, loves that podium, and should believe that hopefully we're going to get to keep him for the rest of his adult career. And a lot of wins and championships and all these things are absolutely possible uh, for him. Let me close with throwing this back a little bit your way, uh, Renus, in a slightly different angle. What kind of reception have you felt from crazy Americans I know we haven't had fans at the vast majority of races this year, and you haven't, you know, they haven't really been in the paddock like normal, but maybe through social media, maybe through whatever else, what kind of feeling or reception have you felt from uh, those crazy folks like myself here in America during your rookie IndyCar season? Yeah, first of all, thank you for the nice words. Um, it's pretty cool to hear. Um, and yeah, um, it's it's been quite good actually um there's not been many fans so you don't really get that interaction with an autograph session or anything but yeah um twitter is quite the platform for that um yeah i've heard i've heard a lot of nice nice things about me and i think also with uh you know the the 360 at the indy 500 that's kind of when everyone started to get to know me um, in a funny way. But yeah, people, uh, yeah, Americans start getting uh, more involved in me and 
and starting to follow my career some more, uh, well, at least following the Dutch people. So, yeah, um, I've had some really good feedback. I've had some people with their, um, like, their profile pictures being me, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, so, you know, I'm not used to that. So probably, like, guys like Joseph have a bunch of guys like that. But if I already have one, I really appreciate that. So, um yeah, it's just cool to see that. And you now there's being um, fan pages, which are not Dutch for this time, uh, but also just American people. So, yeah, it's it's nice to um, to get that view that uh, the fans like me. And, yeah, I think if we get some more good results, some more podiums, hopefully wins next year, um, it'll be even better. Well, Henry, or I should probably pronounce it correctly, Zonri, uh, I'd say the future looks very bright, very orange for uh, our young guest here. We know for a fact that he is capable of poles and podiums. Wins would be the next step. We know that he needs to be an excellent young person because his girlfriend could knock the crap out of him if he isn't. So oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> uh, we know the Ed Carpenter racing team really likes him. Your engineer, Matt Barnes, super good guy. But Ed as well, not taking him to some of the eating establishments in Indiana that would make him put on 5,000 pounds. I'm feeling the love here, man. And I can't wait for you to get to St. Pete, close off this great season, and hopefully we get to read some awesome news not too long after that you're coming back for 2021 and hopefully we don't let go of you for a really long time. So thanks for making some time, Renus, in the middle of doing work uh, at the uh, simulator there. And we'll hopefully speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me and uh, have a good day. <laughs>